Uh, welcome to STG 308, Hybrid Cloud Data Management, using data for business outcomes. I am Michael Barrow, I'll be your host today. And uh, I work for Commvault, and I am a technical alliance architect, so I work with Commvault, uh, I work at Commvault, and I work with AWS and some other uh, providers, making sure our solutions work well uh, to help customers out. So just to get going here, give you a little bit of information about who Commvault is in case you don't know. We are a proven leader in data protection and data management. So we've been around for quite a number of years. We're not a startup. We didn't just show up on the scene here. We've been thinking about data protection and data management for many, many years. Uh, we're, we have offices all around the world and we're headquartered in Tinton Falls, New Jersey, in case you wanna come by for a visit. The unique thing about our platform is that it's a single code base. If you look at other data protection, at our enterprise class data protection applications, you'll see that they are kind of different applications kind of chunked together. Uh, we have a single code base, a single architecture that is organically developed and organized together. So what you'll find is as you are using the solution set, you learn it once, and as you have different use cases, it's the same product, the same workflows, uh, and the same processes that you use to manage your data. The other thing that's unique is that we offer customers data portability wherever the data resides. Whether you start out in a data center, and then you start going into a hybrid deployment uh, on the cloud, or multiple sites, or you wanna manage uh, edge devices, laptops and things. It's a single uh, platform. It manages the data wherever it lives and it controls that for you. The other thing is that uh, customers that use Commvault find that they save money. Because of the facility of the platform and its flexibility, you can save lots of money, you reduce your infrastructure and reduce your software costs on an ongoing basis. We have over 13,000 companies that are using Commvault to protect and manage their data. Uh, and that's across large enterprises, small, medium businesses, and also managed service providers. So there are program, uh, companies out there that use Commvault as the underpinning of their data protection as a service operations. And we are consistent leader in data protection uh, we find from the major market analyst firms. So a number of times we've come up as leaders in data protection. Just a proof point, we uh, Gartner Magic Quadrant uh, seven, seven years in a row, uh, so for backup and recovery, and we're also on the Forrester Wave as well. So the leading analysts have said, hey, these guys really know what they're doing as far as protecting data and helping customers manage data. So we have a unique partnership with AWS. We help customers manage their data. And these are a couple of points of how we do that. So as you know, because of the AWS shared responsibility model, customers need to protect their data. AWS handles the infrastructure and the security and the ongoing operation of that, but customers are responsible for the security of their data. So they're looking for disaster recovery. So customers that are maybe have some on-premises deployments they want to get rid of sending tapes off-site or get rid of uh, maintaining expensive secondary infrastructure. 
So they can do that using Commvault. We can put their data on AWS, and they can use AWS for, as a disaster recovery site. You can fire up your workloads when the meteor hits your data center. Storage infrastructure costs are also very important. It's no longer necessary for you to maintain lots of on-premises storage, lots of disk. You can go ahead and use lower cost options like S3 or S3 and frequent access, or for archiving, something like Glacier. Data security, also very important. Like I said, AWS helps with that from an infrastructure standpoint. They have lots of options there, and Commvault integrates with those API options to help you secure your data as it resides on the AWS platform. Customers are demanding unique solutions, your end customers. So you have to be very agile from an IT perspective to deliver those solutions to them. Commvault has a, uh, an extensive platform with lots of APIs. It's very customizable. And as I said before, it works in many different use cases to handle the data where it resides. So it allows you to deliver those agile solutions to your end customers, to your lines of business, to deliver that value. And then again, just to hit, bring the point home, we protect your workloads, whether they're on-site, on-cloud, both, neither, wherever they are, we help you protect that data. So this is kind of the one-shot picture. This is an example of how Commvault works with AWS. Uh, so on the left side, we have a, an on-premises deployment, let's just say. We have, on the upper left, we have our master server. We call it the ComServe. It controls all the, the scheduling and the policy management. That's your point of control. And then what we can do is we integrate with pretty much every major application, every database, uh, all different sorts of applications, arrays. We have storage arrays. We integrate with the different snapshot APIs and so forth. Uh, hypervisors, so you can protect your VMware, Hyper-V workloads, uh, some of the hyper-converge platforms, we integrate with that as well, as well as big data solutions. So we can back up your Hadoop and so forth, or large-scale uh, scale-out file systems. And we also protect software-as-a-service platforms. So if you're using things like Office 365 and you've outsourced your email and, and your SharePoint to that platform, you can use Commvault to protect that data and put that maybe on AWS as a secondary uh, kind of safe copy. We take all that data, we index it, we capture all the versions, we have integrated deduplication, both source and target, and we can encrypt that data so that you can be sure that it's uh, you know, encrypted at rest, so you can be sure that you no, know, in case you get your permissions wrong in your S3 buckets, like that's happened from, for different customers, that data is safe because it's encrypted. We, in that deployment, we go down to what's called a, a media agent. That's kind of the data mover component. And you can have multiple of those depending on your, your throughput requirements. We have a local disk pool. Again, you can use NAS storage. You can use an array. Uh, and that will allow you to keep your recent backups on-prem for this hybrid deployment. We can also go ahead and take data and send it across the network, whether that is just your internet connection or a direct connect connection into AWS. And we also have direct support for a snowball. So the first time you're doing this, you have uh, several hundred terabytes. We can't reasonably get that across the network. We can have that data go to the snowball, 
ship into AWS, and then you can resume your recoveries, uh, excuse me, resume your backups on an incremental basis, taking advantage of all the deduplication. Once we have that data on AWS, we, can, we integrate with S3, S3 in frequent access, or if you have data that you know is archival, if you have it on tape now, and you wanna just keep it somewhere for long term, we have direct support for Glacier. So there are other solutions on the market that need to write that data into S3, and then you have to go ahead and write a lifecycle policy to migrate, to migrate to Glacier. We don't have to do that, we support that. We can send the data right into Glacier if you need to have things archived for long term. We can go ahead and take that data and replicate it to other regions, so you can be sure that you have continuous operation. We can push that data over to other regions. And then once the data is in, uh, in that object storage in, on AWS, we allow customers to unlock that, like what I mentioned earlier. If you wanna do a disaster recovery, or if you wanna do test and dev, we can go ahead and you fire up uh, that media agent, you fire up that data mover on an EC2 instance, and then we can activate workloads. So the most simplest example is you have some VMware or Hyper-V machines on-prem. We can back those up, put those in low-cost object storage, S3, and then you can go ahead and fire those VMs, those VMware machines as EC2 instances. We will manage the conversion process, so you can take a VMware machine, fire it up as EC2. We also have a, a feature called LiveSync that will automate this whole process so that every time your VM is backed up on-prem, the data is pushed over, stored in S3, and then restored, and you have a, an EC2 instance sitting there ready to go. So this is great for DR. Meteor hits your production site, you go to your AWS console, fire up those workstations, ready to go. We can do this for physical machines as well. We have a feature called Virtualize Me, where you can take a physical machine and convert that to a virtual machine. And we also doing something where we can in migrate an entire application environment. So if you're using uh, Oracle apps, we can go ahead and figure out all the dependencies, capture that, and then migrate that into an EC2 instance so that you can take something that you were running on-prem and fire that up on AWS. Moving over to the far side, we have protection of AWS workloads. So if you are doing things natively on AWS, you have EC2 instances, just like we support all those different applications uh, on, the, on the left side of the diagram, we can support all that stuff as workloads running on AWS. We can also integrate with EBS snapshots. So if you want crash consistent uh, machine images of your EC2 instances, we can manage those and capture those and manage those snapshots for you so you don't end up with a C of snapshots for any of you out there who have written EBS snapshot scripts, we can manage that and you have that in a seam, uh, the same interface that you use to manage all of your data. And finally, for things like RDS, we can go ahead and manage the RDS snapshots if you're deploying uh, database workloads there. Another interesting thing here is that if you have uh, applications that you've deployed that are writing directly to S3, uh, we can go ahead and back up S3 data. So you can obviously use versioning, S3 versioning, object versioning, but you can also use Combo to grab those objects out of S3 and then write them in a compressed and dedupe format in another S3 bucket in another region, or if you might want to do it, you can bring that data on site. You can store your S3 backups on-prem. 
So we allow that, all that functionality. So this is just a, a very high level view of how Commvault works with the clouds uh, and specifically with AWS. So uh, without further ado, because I'm just a, kind of a, I work for Commvault, so I don't want you to, you don't, probably don't believe everything I say. Uh, we have John Walton, he's one of our great customers. And we're, John's gonna tell you about how he uses Commvault to protect his workloads on AWS. So yeah, I'm, I'm the guy who's supposed to believe everything I say. Um, I'm John Walton, the CEO for San Mateo County. Um, if you don't know where San Mateo County is, I'll forgive you for that. We're the little county uh, that's stuck in between San Francisco and San Jose out in the Bay Area. Um, I would say, you know, as you can tell from how I'm dressed, I'm not an engineer. So, you know, if you have technical questions, I would definitely direct them to my staff or to the Commvault experts in the room. But um, even though I don't work for Commvault, I will say, having been a CIO in San Francisco before this job and in a CIO in uh, San Jose before that, Commvault is a really great partner for us in government. And, and a lot of that's because, you know, we have legacy in government. That's a big challenge for us, and I don't know for those of you in the audience if you have the same challenges, but in government, one of the unique things I've always found is we have this effect that we call conferenceware or projectware, where if you walk into one of our data centers like I did in, in San Mateo when I joined there, you know, there was just rack after rack of various pieces of equipment, different servers, different storage devices that had all been procured and implemented based on the needs of a single project. And so from a legacy standpoint, you know, you're inheriting something if you're going into an organization or you're trying to modernize an organization that has a history to it. And part of that history is you've got to have a tool, like Michael mentioned, that is multifaceted, it's flexible, it meets a lot of your needs. And for us, in every job I've had as a CIO, Commvault was always the solution to that problem. Uh, we explored a lot of them, like you all did. We had, when I joined um, most of my organizations, you know, we had two or three backup solutions in place based on different technologies. And we were just fortunate in developing the partnership with Commvault that that really turned around into helping us consolidate to a single platform and really made it easier for my staff. And, you know, as a CIO, I would say that's one of my biggest goals. Since I don't do a lot of the hands-on stuff, I really try to find solutions that are cost-effective that make my staff's jobs easier for them. Because when they're easier, then we have less failures, we have less outages, the customers are happier, my budget's happier. Um, so just to talk about the county I'm in right now. So when I joined San Mateo County uh, close to five years ago, we had what I would call a very traditional uh, approach to data backup and retention. Um, we did a variety of uh, spinning disk local backup for about two weeks. Um, it was a cost-driven problem. We couldn't afford a lot of equipment. We had a lot of legacy equipment. So we would store stuff on site for 14 days. And then after 14 days, we'd run this really long tape backup job. And, you know, we just hoped it finished every weekend before Monday rolled around, you know. Everybody just crossed their fingers over the weekend that we did this big weekly backup of all the servers. Most of our servers were physical. Um, we had at that time about 500 to 600 physical servers and a couple hundred virtual servers. So we had everything from AS400s to your pizza box Wintel servers. So we had a little bit of everything. Um, but Commvault, to their credit, it worked, right? And so we had this architecture, but it, um, it worked for us. We, we backhauled everything from our various sites to a single data center in Redwood City. Um, we used the Commvault agents and the Commvault tools to back everything up locally. 
Uh, we then, you know, would archive that off onto tape. Then we would have, uh, you know, the tapes taken off-site uh, to a, a secure Iron Mountain location. And, you know, that from a, from a customer um, standpoint, from a business delivery standpoint, it worked. And so I don't know if you are all in the same position. You know, sometimes you have to do the things you have to do because um, you have requirements you have to meet. It's a disaster sort of scenario, end of the world thing. You need to know your tapes are someplace. But for me as a CIO, that wasn't really meeting our needs because there was a lot of things my customers wanted uh, when I joined the county that our old solution, even though it was working, even though we had tapes that we could go retrieve if something went really horribly awry, um, it wasn't meeting what they wanted. And the things they wanted were keeping the cost down. And for me, all the expense, both the capital and the operating expense of hardware and tapes and storage were expensive. Um, the restoration time was slow. You know, if, if somebody had something, if an attorney's office or somebody wanted something off the tape, um, you know, you'd have to call the tape back from storage. The truck would have to show up. It'd have to show up on a Monday through Friday because I'm a union shop. So, you know, my folks only work Monday through Fridays. And, you know, it, it just takes as long as it's going to take. And so that was really frustrating to the customers. Um, and then, you know, I had this big capital, looming capital cost because all that infrastructure that had been purchased over the years was aging. And so that came back to my cost that, we're a cost recovery shop, so a lot of you are probably private sector, and maybe you would do it the same way, but one of the unique things about our county is everything has a cost in our county. We bill back to the department, so every gigabyte of data, all that has to be billed back, and so I'm at zero net cost to the county, so I have to, at the beginning of every two years, publish my rates, and everything's incremental, and the departments are very concerned about, you know, they have fixed budgets as well. Uh, we're trying not to raise taxes in our county for the people that live there, so they don't want to see our costs go up, but when I have these looming capital costs of all this aging tape infrastructure and libraries, I'm trying to figure out a way, well, how do I invest all this capital money without doing some amortization approach and have my operating costs come up? So that was a big challenge for us. So we sat down about four years ago with Commvault and our staff and some of our key customers in health and public safety and said, well, how are we going to solve this problem? We really need to come up with a new solution that's going to better meet the needs of our customers. So the things we wanted to do was one, we had a concern that we just had a single data center, that we were backhauling all of our data to a single data center and doing all our backups there, which is great, except if you live in my county, and I won't bore you by going back to the map, um, the, the differentiator, if you've ever been out there, the 280 highway that kind of bifurcates my county, that's the San Andreas fault. So the likelihood that I'm going to lose that data center is pretty high. So we're really concerned about, well, how do we double down? How do we... Uh, spread our data out over multiple uh, data centers. The other thing was the, the, you know, the maximum amount of time we were going to lose data, because the way we were going to do it, historically, you, know, you saw the process we were going through, but because we were doing weekly snapshots, people wanted a lot faster restore points. We were having a lot of, probably like you are, incidents with uh, people clicking on links they shouldn't have and getting data corrupted and, uh, you know, situations where we lost data due to malware and things like that. And so weekly backups really weren't working because you never want to have to tell a doctor or a public safety official, I'm sorry, we lost a week of your data, you know, because we only backing things up doing full backups weekly. So we really wanted to cut down on the frequency of our backups. And then we wanted to also compress the, the, the time it took to restore things because our policy in our county is we don't pay the ransom, we don't do all that. If somebody clicks on something they shouldn't, or somebody hasn't patched the server like they should have, and if we lose a piece of infrastructure, or if we lose some data, 
we just restore to the most recent backup. We don't, we don't do anything other than that. So we really wanted, you know, RPO and RTO were very, very important to us. Um, we want to be scalable because our data, like your data is growing, our servers are growing. Uh, like I said, four years ago, we had, you know, 500 physical servers, about 200 virtual servers. Now we have over 1,200 virtual servers. Uh, it grows every day. And it's easy, you know, to grow virtual servers, but you have to back all those servers up. You have to be thoughtful about it. We're always looking for that balance about, well, how many servers should be internal versus how many do we just spin up in, like, the Amazon cloud? And then, you know, the long-term view, in my view, is um, tape backup, I would argue, isn't really a good disaster recovery strategy. And I've used it my whole career. So, you know, it's better than nothing, certainly. But the reality of it is, again, if you, if you look at where my data center was, it's not going to work if my data center gets taken out by an earthquake or uh, falls down, because I can have a whole box of tapes, but I've got no place to restore them to. I've lost all the equipment they're going to get restored to. I have no place to bring them to. So really, the tape option, it's good for long-term data retention, but it doesn't really solve that problem. If I lose a whole data center and I have to restore everything, how am I going to get the equipment installed, configured, to bring those tapes in and do anything with them? So that was a real concern of ours, that we really want to come up with a more robust disaster response for, for serving our county. So we did a proof of concept with our health department. We had this idea. Our health department was very interested. We have a very big hospital in one of our cities. And um, they were very uh, accommodating. I have to really give them credit, because you know, there's two groups, if you work in, in my field, public safety and health, that are always the hot buttons, where people have a lot of concerns about clets and uh, FIPS security on the public safety side. And on the health side, it's always HIPAA, and is it going to meet our needs? So. Um, we sat down with health because it's really one of our critical customers. And one of the things we started thinking about the cloud that a lot of people raised concerns about was, well, what impact is this going to have on the network? You know, if you, if you work in a department like mine, you've got the server folks and you've got the network folks, and there's tension, right? The, it's always, I have a joke in my department because we use a, a service that said everything starts as a network ticket. Every call that comes into our help desk is a network ticket problem. It's always the network's fault. Right? And so the network people are a little touchy about any time you do anything in the data center, if it's going to make them look bad, they get anxious. So we did this POC. And part of the POC was just to see if we could move the data from our data center, our single data center, up to the Amazon cloud and not impact the, the network. So I'm happy to say um, that for us, when we did the experience, it wasn't a significant impact on our data center. We do two load balanced um, one gig connections, one out of um, where the hospital is and the other one out of our main data center. And uh, to our surprise, it turned out we could actually do that and not see a significant impact. Now, I will say, I will inject this, interject now, our future architecture, because we have another network project that I'm not going to bore you all with, um, we've extended dark fiber now from the north end of our county to our south, so we're going to do direct connections from our two major pops up in San Francisco and down in Palo Alto. So we're not going through the public cloud, uh, per se, to get to AWS. But uh, even using the public cloud connection we had, which is you know, competing with all the other um, applications we have, because we run uh, Office 365, we run Workday for ERP. It's been interesting since I, you know, in the old days, I used to have to try to sell cloud uh, solutions in government. We were very uh, risk adverse. Pretty much in our county, everything's on the cloud. I would say every application we replace, probably 75, 80% of them 
we just recreate in the cloud. We don't even worry about running them internally anymore. So, you know, this backup solution we're using now is in direct competition uh, with all those cloud solutions, mission critical ones. You know, we have the DAs, case management systems, so things that you don't want to impact. You don't want the DA calling you saying, you know, your backup caused me to, you know, not be able to answer a judge's question in court. It works. And my, my network team was very pleased to see this. And this really helped us get over that initial sort of technical hurdle about what people were concerned about. So this is the new, I was going to say we, but really my staff. This is the architecture my staff came up with. Very proud of them. I wish they could all be here today. But uh, I, I have to give them a lot of credit for this. They worked hard with Commvault and the customers to come up with this. We were able to come up with, because it wasn't going to cost us more, our investments went into two data centers. Like I said, we have a big hospital that's kind of in the north part of the county. We have a data center that's in the south part of the county. Working with Commvault, we were able to replicate the data between those two data centers. Um, then the data goes up to the cloud. Uh, our retention times are longer now. Um, you know, we can keep it for 90 days now. In AWS, we're using S3. Uh, which the staff really like. They've all been trained um, on the Amazon service. They're all certified now. Uh, Amazon's also been a great partner with us, helping us get training on that. Um, as you can expect, again, in a union environment, there's a lot of sensitivity about how much do you outsource the knowledge and how much do you keep it insourced. I have a team. You know, we, we used to have a server storage and um, compute team. They were kind of three kind of mini teams. Um, we've all consolidated into one now, so I have about eight staff that manage 1,200 servers and do all this. They do everything from Commvault to server to virtualization to VDI. They're just a very integrated team now. And a lot of that has come from the good training that Commvault gives them and that Amazon gives them to really help them understand the tools. Um, there has been a learning curve for them, I won't lie. You know, it's not easy when you have antiquated you know, um, skills and stuff. You have to train your staff to make these solutions work. But the solution's working really well for us now. We're keeping things 14 days on site. You know, we don't lose more than an hour's worth of data. If it happens within that 14 time, we can restore the data and get it back up very quickly. Um, we're using from Commvault a consumption license agreement, so it's very flexible for us. We worked hard with Commvault to kind of figure out the best way to flex up and flex down on our spending with them. Uh, that's working well for us. Um, we have multiple data repositories, so we can pick and choose uh, when our customers need data backed up or we do searches. Um, the technology really helps us, I think, meet those business needs. Um, it has aligned really well. Um, the other piece, just to put a plug in for one of our other partners, we went with Hyper for Converge with Nutanix. That's really another thing that we really look for. We, we look for complementary technologies, and that's important to us. I think, you know, when I was early in virtualization, I think, you know, 20 years ago when we were all talking about, you know, VMware, and we're a VMware shop as well. Um, you know, there was always this whole reference architecture conversation, which is great. Um, and maybe for you all that work in bigger companies and have a big bench strength of staff, you can take these sort of generic reference architectures and put them together yourselves and figure out how to make these things work. Well, working in government, we have, like I said, a pretty lean group of staff, and sometimes we don't always have the training and knowledge we want to have in-house. And so what we really do is we ask our partners to come together to help us create these architectures that are going to work out of the box. And so I think, you know, again, I'll just put another plug in for Commvault in the sense that, you know, anything we came up with, you know, because we were looking at multiple hyper-converged solutions, we were changing out our network, we've pretty much changed out everything in the county in five years now. 
Um, every time we would bring up to Commvault, well, we're thinking about going, well, this technology, is it gonna work? Or is that, you know, do we need to reconsider? You know, we found Commvault to be very flexible. And that's a big plus for us because once you make a technology architecture decision and start going down that road, the last thing you wanna find out is that you have this outlier that's not gonna fit in. Even if it's best to breed in its area, it's gotta fit with the other technology investments you've made. And so that was a big plus to us. So cost, I'm a budget guy, as you can probably tell by the suit. Budget and HR is my expertise, not technology. Um, this is the thing I really focused on because what I challenged the staff with is how do we do this? How do we come up with this new technology? How do we come up with this new architecture and not break the bank? Because money is not unlimited in government, despite what some people think, at least in my government. Um, so we really wanted to focus on cost. And so you can kind of see, we, we took a cost comparison of some of our old tape maintenance costs. These probably don't directly align. These are kind of unique to my organization, but it kind of gives you an idea of where we were going. You know, we had the IBM maintenance, I'm no knock on IBM, there's maintenance associated with any type of tape solution. Uh, the supplies, you know, we had the annual spend for refreshing the old tapes. Uh, we had the Iron Mountain costs. Again, you're gonna have whoever your vendor is, you're gonna have some type of storage costs. We have my, my labor, my staff labor. Um, you know, we, that's a generic number, it's just a blended cost I use for all my staff hours to account for cost. But we really tried to come up with, well, what does it cost? The little caveat is, you'll see a little asterisk at the bottom down there, that that cost doesn't include the capital cost for replacing that tape equipment, right? The main libraries and things like that every five to 10 years. And so, depending on how long you think you can get that hardware investment for that tape library to last, you've gotta think about how you're gonna amortize that cost into your operating cost or how you're gonna figure that into the true cost of ownership of a tape solution. I, I do wanna interject here though. I was just at, a, at another conference recently and I had a big debate with an analyst um, about tape technology. And so I, I just, I meant to say this at the beginning, I'm, I'm not anti-tape, right? I don't have anything against tape, and we had this big debate about, well, tape, is, can, you can get it cheaper, and it's just as fast, and if you design it right, it can do everything the cloud can do. I, I'm not gonna dispute that, okay? I'm, I'm not a tape expert. We just decided in our organization that from a business outcomes objective, tape wasn't the best solution for us. And so I'm not here to talk you out of your tape architecture if that's what you've gone with. Um, it just didn't work for us. So I was, I was schooled uh, by the analyst that tape is still alive and kicking and a lot of people use it, so I'll just say that now that I'm, I'm not anti-tape. But for us, it was a simplified model. We really, um, we really gravitate towards simple, easy to maintain, easy to execute business models and technology models. So, you know, the good thing for us was, you know, you can see the cost, even if it's break even to me, uh, which, you know, on a magnitude of this, it's probably pretty close. Um, but you can relate this now back to the number of terabytes or gigabytes you're backing up. You can, I can do easy math for when I distribute my costs. And more importantly, I'm delivering more value, right? I'm doing things that in the tape solution we had in place, without having to make a significant capital cost, we were able then to achieve those business outcomes and keep our costs neutral and actually lower them a little bit. So that was, you know, when you're trying to achieve customer satisfaction, and get your customer consumer departments to buy into your model and continue to adopt your model, that was really important to me. So, in summary, and I think we're probably a little short, but that's all right, I know. You've all sat through a lot of these today and we're the after lunch crew. Um, you know, 
the, the flexibility has increased, the resiliency has increased. We have two data centers now, we're replicating data. One is, if we lost, even if we lost both data centers, um, all that data is getting replicated up to the cloud, so we're not concerned anymore that some local disaster is gonna cause us to lose a lot of data. Data. Our restore times are much faster, which makes attorneys and people who are involved in litigation or people who accidentally clicked on that wrong URL even though my training told them not to. Um, those things are happening much faster. It's cost effective for me. And I think it really positions us um, to be where we wanna be in the future. I think, you know, we are trying to reduce our footprint locally in our county and, and there's all these other ancillary things I didn't bother putting in these slides, but our county is very concerned about greenhouse gases and carbon footprint, and the more for us we can push to the cloud and shrink the footprint of our data centers with all the ancillary uh, heating and cooling and building maintenance costs and things like that that go along with that, that's sort of a back-end benefit in our county that we count internally as a real plus for us, but that isn't easy to rep represent on these slides, so. You know, with that, I was just gonna wrap it up. Um, I like the Q&A part, so if anybody had any questions, I'll do my best to pretend like I know the answer, or maybe Michael can, or if you all have to rush off to your next session, that's fine as well. Questions? You did a heck of a job, you answered all their questions, Michael. Good work. All right, I think we're done then. Thank you.